time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. Now here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin'. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. It is Easter week. I'm looking forward to the Easter holiday. Hope you guys are as well. Again, this podcast is created by mortgage professionals. It is for mortgage professionals. And on this April 3rd, 2023, we're so grateful to have you with us. Forgot to slip that date in, so did it right then. Anyway, our commitment is to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime and anywhere. So excited to have our sponsors on here. I want to talk about Candor. They have Candor Plus. It's a new way of approaching the Candor technology. Check out their Candor Plus program as well as Candor technology. Also want to check and encourage you to check out uh, Finastra where they do some of the most um, amazing things within their technology platform. Again, the largest fintech company in the world. I encourage you to uh, check out Finastra, their fusion mortgage bot system, their fusion POS, LOS, and their Laser Pro. I mean, it's all bundled together. Again, they have a real good traction in the in the financial in the financial space. I mean, or in the business, uh, the banks area, in the financial institutions. What I'm trying to say here. I'm looking ahead here, and I'm reading several things. And I'm going, that's not working for me so well. But anyway, Finastra, check them out. Finastra.com, F-I-N-A-S-T-R-A.com. Also, Total Expert. We had Joe Wailu on uh, March 15th. They do such a great job of creating custom-built campaigns and journeys. So when someone comes into your CRM or when you start interacting with them, they have so many things set out that they can take a loan officer that's mediocre and make them just sound so good. So a lot of people are really struggling, whether they're good loan officers or inexperienced, wherever your loan officer staff is, check out Total Extra, what it can do to help make your loan officers just that much more powerful and effective in this market. Um, just had a, got off of a call with Tiffany Rose. Really looking forward to having Tiffany on as a special guest. She talks about the various campaigns that are out there. We all agree that Total Expert is definitely one of the best at nurturing campaigns. Check out the interview on March 15th with Joe Wellu. Also, Simple Nexus, great technology platform. What's going on? Again, owned by Encino, which is, a again, another uh, financial institution platform. They've got a lot of products there. They're buying up different companies like Simple Nexus, like Lori Brewer's company, LBA, where, and they're rolling it all together into one of the most creative, comprehensive solutions that can make a distant difference in the way you do lending in an automated fashion that actually drops costs. You've got to check them out. Simple Nexus. Also, a special thank you. Oh, and, and that interview we did with on March 8th with Andrea Lightfoot is something I'd call your attention to. Also, I want to say a special thank you to the MBA for their contribution to our podcast that you'll listen to in just a minute. Appreciate their partnership and sponsorship as well as Lenders One, the Mortgage Collaborative, Knowledge Coop, Mobility MMI, and Modex. I love Mobility MMI and Modex. What they can do to help you in recruiting is just over the top as well as Mortgage Advisory Tools, Advisor Tools. Check out all of them on our website, lookitonlending.com under our sponsors. 
Let's talk about what we've got last week on the podcast, March 29th. We had Neko um, on with Lieb Productions to talk about how to use a video to achieve your business goals. Again, just talk to, to um, Tiffany Rose, who is really big on using video, <clears throat> something that works so effectively, encourages them, encourages you to uh, increase your brand by videos and Check out what Nico does. Again, listen to the interview that we did on March 29th. Also, April 5th, we have, we have coming up this week, uh, Earl Thomas Booker, also known as Books, Earl Thomas Booker III. We actually call him Books because he's with Candor Technology, and he writes the book on how to have a great strategy. They do, he does so many wonderful things, such a big guy, and both big in heart, big in stature, and I'm so excited to have uh, be sharing that interview we did, we recently recorded. Also, shout-outs to Adam DeSanctis for his contribution from the NBA, Les Parker. Matt Graham is here live, so we get to listen to what Matt and MBS Live has to say. We've got Mr. Kittle. You heard him clearing his throat just a moment ago. He forgot to mute before he did that. <laughs> got you, Kittle. As well as Alice Alby. Hopefully, we actually haven't dialed in yet. Hopefully, we'll hear her from her and her report, as well as Alan Pollock. And then, of course, Mar. Helm, my co-host. Mark, good to have you joining me in here. Glad to be here today, David. Thank you. You, you bet. Well, let's get over to the MBA uh, Mortgage Minute. We've got a lot to get talking about of what's going on in the industry. So, uh, Adam DeSanctis, give us your report from the MBA. Thank you. Hi, I'm Adam DeSanctis. This is the Mortgage Minute, the latest news from the Mortgage Bankers Association. Last week, FHFA announced that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac will allow borrowers facing financial hardship to defer up to six months of mortgage payments. This is good news. MBA recommended in a January letter to FHFA and in a recent white paper that utilizing payment deferrals and partial claims for FHA loans allows borrowers, regardless of the reason for hardship, to quickly resume timely payments after resolving a temporary hardship. NBA President and CEO Bob Brooksman in a press statement commended FHFA for applying lessons learned from the COVID-19 pandemic by making payment deferrals a key part of Fannie Mae's and Freddie Mac's loss mitigation toolkit. Servicers may begin evaluating borrowers for the payment deferral as early as July 1st of this year, but no later than October 1st of this year. That's it for this week. Thank you for listening. Appreciate Adam to thank this and that report. Um, we were to put this on here to talk about what Adam was talking about is the uh, about uh, the payment deferral program that FHFA put out. And we were going to talk about it at the end of the program and the fact that Adam went into that. I'm going to bring Mark on and we're going to talk a little bit about that. Also, what happened, um, Bill Corbett, I'm one of the consultants of my team I'd hoped to have on the call to talk about it, was going to comment on it. But Mark, I want to get your thoughts on this. You said when I was texting with you over the weekend, this is really nothing new. It's just an extenuation, a continuation, extension of what they did in COVID uh, policies. But, I mean, how does this impact investors' appetite for investing in MBSs? Well, the one uh, key element, David, that's missing in this, they're going to take the deferred up to six months deferred payments and add it as a non interest-bearing balance at the end of the loan. So the question comes for me, who's paying the interest on that money? Right. And that's not in this. Uh, I can't tell from the write-up. And I went in after I became aware of this and searched everywhere I could, and I couldn't get any indication. Is it, uh, is it the – they're only going to do it on uh, bonds that Fannie Mae's holding directly where they can waive the interest, 
if they're doing it on anything they've sold, uh, how they're going to get a bondholder to agree to no payment on that amount. Uh, I don't know. I, you know, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting take on it. Um, I think Adam hit it right on the nail on the head, though. It is a continuation of the, what we did in COVID-19. It's up to six months. The other thing that's a little bit ambiguous in the write-up on it is whether or not it says uh, qualified circumstances, and it doesn't really say what qualified circumstances are. Um, somebody jokingly said it'll probably be all the loans that Freddie and Fannie think they're going to lose money on, so they want to keep it around as long as possible. Uh, I kind of laughed at that when I heard it, but I don't think that's it, but it was a funny take on it anyway. And um, it usually is just genuine financial hardships that people are, are facing, and they have to reach out to the servicer. The dates are kind of funny, though, with a yeah. voluntary adoption of the first and then a mandatory adoption by October the 1st. It's kind of a tight period of time here in late 2023 to put that together. All in all, I'm all for anything that can support the bars that have faced dilemmas that are hard to deal with and keep them uh, in their homes and hopefully uh, able to restructure what they're doing. This does not eliminate the other things that they can do, like uh, re you know repayment plans or loan modifications, et cetera. Those type of things are still available. So we'll see what happens. I'm just looking for the next uh, ball to drop, so to speak, so we can see what the real, real, uh, real definition of this plan they're doing is. And I sure would like an explanation of what happens to the interest on the deferred amount yeah. because it's, it's, it's non-interest bearing deferred amount in the letter. And I also would like to know uh, a little bit more about what the qualifying factors are if they've changed. We had a qualifying factor for COVID was COVID usually was unemployment or lack of income. So what's the qualifying factor on a go forward basis? Is it just that or are other things going to be uh, uh, available for customers? Well, yeah, and what I was interesting about is there's the three remittance uh, types for the GSEs: actual, actual, scheduled, scheduled, and scheduled actual. I know that's a little that's foreign talk to anyone listening to us, so I'd like to get into that just slightly. But when it comes to especially Jenny Maypools, I mean, if I understand correctly, unless there's been a change, the Jenny May issuer is still going to be making the advances whether or not there's a deferment or not. I, have you heard anything on that? So those payments have got to get made. The lenders make you, right? Well, that, that, that would be true, and that also would be true of any uh, securities that uh, mm -hmm. Fannie Mae has done. But, but I didn't see anything in the write-up that was covering Jenny Mae. It was particularly covering Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac on this. Right. Yeah, so uh, right. I didn't see anything in the write-up that was covering Jenny Mae. Maybe that's going right. next, yeah, but... But but still, yeah, but it's, that's going to be the way. It, again, if you sell Fannie or Freddie product on uh, on a uh, schedule, is it a schedule scheduled where you have to make the advancements? I mean, why don't yes. you share a little bit about that? Yeah, schedule scheduled. So it's whether it's scheduled, you're paying both. Schedule scheduled means you're paying both interest and principal, whether they made the payment or not. It's the actual actuals where it's if it's actually payment made, then you advance it. If it wasn't actually made, then it wasn't. You don't correct. Right. All right, so we got that right. So there's a little lesson for you retailers out there. You want to impress someone at the next cocktail, says, well, do you sell? You talk to Nick Forks Baker, ask him, do you sell your servicing on a remittance program of actual actual or scheduled scheduled or scheduled actual? Then they'll look at you like, do you even know what you're talking about? Anyway, a lot of good stuff there. Good. Mark, I'm, I'm going to be really interested in, I, I mean, I just look at, there's a lot of good intended. We all care about consumers. We want consumers to be taken care of. And I appreciate the fact that we're consumer trying to be consumer friendly, but it's the unintended consequences that happen as a result of it that get really, really get concerning to me. So 
uh, in our effort to take care of the consumer, we cannot forget about the investor behind the scenes that is making all of these securities so possible. And, now they and say, Evan, like, I'm always uh, I'm always leery when something is printed up like this, and I end up having uh, more questions than I have answers. And I have two pretty mm-hmm. major questions: Who's going to pick up that interest burden? Mm-hmm. And number two. Who can qualify for this program? And and it's really unclear in the notice that was put out about those two factors. Now that doesn't matter to the individual getting the loan, you know, mm-hmm. other than the fact they got to qualify uh, for the deferral. But it does matter in what happens to that security down the road or that uh, who's who's paying that. If it's uh, if it's uh, Fannie and Freddie taking that hit, that's fine. But I, it doesn't say that. It doesn't. I suspect that would be interesting. We need to get clarification. So anyone listening to this and can get, give us clarification, we'll be reaching out to do some research on that. Hopefully have some clarification for you next week. <laughs> if it comes from the federal government, FHFA, uh, clarity is not the thing. Whether it comes from CFPB, certainly clarity is not the thing. And we've got some of that going right now with FHFA. Interesting. All right. Thank you, Mark, giving us a commentary on that. Mr. Kittle, do you have any thoughts on that? I'm sorry, I was on mute clearing my throat. Just <laughs> <laughs> we heard you earlier, I'd do it. Yeah, got you back. Yeah, it's uh, unintended consequences. Uh, Mark just said if it's Fannie or Freddie that's going to do it or they're going to waive the interest, uh, let us be reminded who owns Fannie and Freddie, which is the American taxpayer. So we're going to pay for it because the Fed owns yep. them. And they've been in. Temporary conservatorship temporary. since 2008. So yeah. for 15 years they've been there. Mm. Uh, and they're never going to let them go, because, as we yeah. said before, because they produce revenue for the federal government. And, um, you know, I, if we have the best economy, this roaring, wonderful economy that we keep hearing from the administration, I wonder why we're talking about people and forbearance on on their loans right now. We've got jobs available. I mean, from what I hear, inflation's coming down, although gas prices went up 30 cents a gallon this past week. And, you know, it sounds cynical, but it's the truth. Yeah. Yeah, a little sarcasm, a little cynicism in there. Yeah, no kidding. Well, you open up a good segue to get into the next segment, which is Les Parker's macro economic update, which we're going to get into in just a minute, followed by Matt Graham. So without further ado, let's get over to listen to what our good friend Les Parker has of TM Spotlight with this week's view on the macro markets. Here we go, Les. TM Spotlight Soundbites is brought to you by Power Seller, making hedging easy. Wasted days and wasted nights. Bonds have left the Fed behind, for they don't belong to Jay. Their heart belongs to something else. So why does the 10-year remain torn by 380 and 330? Listen to a superb summary of the lovers' quarrel between the Fed and the bond market. According to Robert Armstrong at the Financial Times, the Fed is saying inflation is still way too high and we will continue to tighten until we see more evidence of a deflationary slowdown. And the bond market is saying we bet that evidence is just about to appear. Bonds are so lonely. Pray Fed be only our dove. Don't waste your time on others. Read TM Spotlight. 
Well, I would say only exception. Read TM Spotlight, but also grab Matt Graham's. Uh, get subscribed to that as well. That, that's hilarious. Last, that's good information. And um, certainly some interesting commentary. Love always la- getting less on the podcast. That we, with what's going on right now, we just could just make it all about what's going on in the markets. But thank you. Sign up for Les Parker's TM Spotlight newsletter. You get the paid version for free when you put in power in the section where it asks for a code. Power for Power Seller, and you'll get the paid version for free. Great newsletter. Recommend you read it, as I do. And, yes, I do read it every single day. Very good. Matt Graham's here with us from MBS Live, CEO, founder, MBS Live, and with the market update. Matt Graham. Try to imitate you as best I can sometimes, Matt, but I just don't do it so well. Good to have you, friend. How are you doing? Good to be here. Pretty good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm looking forward to your report, especially in light of what Les had to say. That's not going to be anything special. Um, So financial markets largely got back into the groove of the pre-banking crisis or banking drama, um, I don't know, dynamic, I guess you'd call it. So uh, one thing that I like to do when I stare at charts is uh, just sort of drift off and think about what the shapes on the charts remind me of and (laughs) – Exactly. Yeah, I actually put that in a presentation uh, two weeks ago with the ink blot thing. Uh, Because Mm -hmm. uh, when you look at stocks and bonds, in most times when the market is reacting to Fed accommodation, um, i.e., you know, what is this economic report going to mean for the Fed's level of friendliness toward rates? That Fed accommodation trade is sort of like a rising tide that lifts all boats. And uh, we tend to see stocks improve while bonds improve. And that makes a, a charted line of bond yields and stock prices move in sort of a mirror image of one another. And then the conventional wisdom from before the QE era was, uh, you know, buy stocks, sell bonds, and vice versa, and <clears throat> more of an asset allocation trade. And that results in the lines being more on top of one another. We also see this at times when the market is trading a risk-on, risk-off mindset, such as immediately in the wake of the Ukraine war, even though, you know, we were still in the midst of a Fed accommodation trade, the market took a break from that and did the old-fashioned thing for a while. But then we really saw it in grand fashion in the past three weeks after the banking drama. Stocks and bonds were right on top of each other at home, abroad, European bonds, European equities markets, same sort of thing even oil prices to some extent, since that can be a a barometer for economic momentum. And uh, last week was the week where stocks and bonds departed that risk-on, risk-off, highly correlated dynamic and moved back into the um, Fed accommodation trade. Not necessarily trading the Fed right now, but um, definitely looking forward to doing it this week when bigger ticket economic data comes out. Um, For instance, it happened this morning with ISM manufacturing, stocks gained, bonds gained at the same time because ISM was weaker across the board, not just at the headline, but uh, the prices component, the the job component, and the new orders component, all in manufacturing recession territory, and uh, stocks and bonds like that news because it connotes a friendlier Fed. But in general, last week, the volatility died down as well. Fed funds futures slowly crept back up to the point where by the September meeting, 
the market sees the Fed funds rate right where it is now. Uh, it had been implying a few rate cuts um, at, the, at the scariest times over the past three weeks. And the, the most striking thing to me was just the absence of volatility. We had uh, yeah. three of the narrowest trading range days that we've had in a long time in the middle of last week. On a sort of a non-market related note, but a mortgage and housing market related note, uh, there were articles about home prices falling, and some people are concerned about that, and uh, people are always wondering if it has, if it's anything like the uh, financial crisis. But I actually had a different take on it, and not at all to be a cheerleader for the market, but legitimately, um, you know, home prices are showing a good amount of resilience after their recent correction, and the FHFA's month-over-month numbers actually improved, actually increased. So. Uh, the annual numbers, they may fall into negative territory. It wouldn't be a huge surprise to see that happen, but that has more to do with an absence of um, ongoing appreciation right now. And if prices are merely holding steady, then yes, they're going to end up in negative territory because they've declined a little bit in recent months. But uh, that decline has been surprisingly modest, and we're also seeing evidence of resilience in home sales data, purchase applications. It's not anything that takes us into levels that are outstanding, but it um, is stopping the bleeding. And that is very different than the patterns that we saw uh, post-crisis, you know, 15 years ago. Coming up this week, we have another ISM report on Wednesday, arguably a more important ISM report because that is the non-manufacturing one. But then everybody's uh, favorite piece of economic data, uh, jobs report, NFP, non-farm payrolls on Friday morning. And that's just what this market wants to see now as it uh, is hopefully over the banking drama and moving on to assessing what the economic data says about where we actually will be in terms of rates in the second half of the year. Uh, Because there is a big difference of opinion right now if you ask markets and you ask the Fed. Oh, yeah. A lot of different opinions. And then uh, there is when I listen to a lot of the commentary of how do people read this, um, there's there's a, a lot of divergence. There's a lot of different opinions of where we're heading and what's, what the uh, oh, yeah. rest of the year looks like. So I, I think it contributes to the uncertainty that we have. So, yeah, let's see how that goes. But, oh, gosh, I love your website. Again, it's one of the most reliable for getting good concrete information and tracking opinions of others. Again, it's a one source, one stop shop place to go for all the information, how you put in all the different feeds from CNBC and um, all the other news sources. It's just brilliant what you do here. Love it. Love it. Love it. Thank you, sir. So any other words of wisdom you have for our listeners on this crazy market other than sign up for MBS quote line? Um, well, I'd prefer they sign up for MBS Live uh, instead of MBS Line, <laughs> but to each his own. Oh, did I say uh, that's an old habit? That's an old habit. Yeah, no worries. Um, I know I that that was the the previous the previous sponsor yeah. of this segment, yeah. but yeah. Uh, no worries. It, you know, as it's long as people use something, you. that's really that's really what's important. No, they, um, they they need to use you. They need to use you. That was an old. I can't believe that still goes. That we miss Joe. Joe's a good guy. Joe Farr, who used to be with that. Brand X, but then yeah. um, I honestly look at there. I, I look at all this, or I have all the subscriptions. Everyone offers them to me for free, but that, I got to tell you, there's nothing like yours, and I really say that sincerely. Nothing like yours should be the number one. 
should be the number one choice. Yeah, uh, my wife tells me I'm, I'm one of a kind too, so that's good. Uh, <laughs> no question about that. Right, whether Matt, that's you're a good reason in your own or mind. not. You're a legend in your own yeah. mind. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I'm pretty big in Japan. Um, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, well, as far as words of wisdom, I think, you know, don't be too complacent about um, the calls that we've seen for recession. Yes, that definitely could happen. And if it does, rates could go lower. But I think sort of the dark horse right now is um, what, what people aren't necessarily thinking is going to happen and what the market isn't necessarily prepared for would be some sort of resurgence in the data, uh, some sort of resilience in the jobs market and in inflation. And the Fed will indeed hurt your feelings if inflation stays high and they don't really yep. care don't what care. the economy is doing. Um, they care if inflation is high. And yes, they'll take things into consideration, right? So if banks are failing and, and unemployment is taking up meaningfully, they'll find a way to be more gentle about it. But um, if those things aren't happening and inflation is taking up, then the Fed funds rate will take up. And that will be one of these quote unquote repricing events for the bond market where things move pretty quickly. Uh, do I see that happening? No, not necessarily. I'm just saying, I don't think that the average viewpoint is um, entertaining that as a legitimate possibility. I think everybody has heard what uh, Powell had to say and what some talking heads have had to say about uh, the implications of the, the banking kerfuffle and have assumed that uh, the pivot has happened that we've seen a top. And that's, you know, to whatever extent I, I come down on the side of any uh, issue, I think that's more likely than the other scenario, but there's so much we don't understand about how inflation and growth have moved post pandemic that uh, you just, you don't want to be too complacent expecting a certain long-term yeah. outcome in rates. Good point. Very good. Very, very good. Good words of wisdom. Appreciate that. Right. Matt? David, I got a question if I could yeah. for Matt yeah. real quick. Yeah. Uh, Matt, if uh, you answered a number of the things I was going to ask about, so let me just ask this question. If the jobs reports and all the major indicators stay pretty much flat for the next six to nine months and we don't escalate into a recession, how how long can we accommodate that kind of structure in our financial markets? Which structure? There, there's got to be a turning high point rate? somewhere, I would think. You know. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, there's some there's some cash out there in the ether that will be exhausted, and then when you have an economy with a five percent ish Fed funds rate, that's I don't think an economy that's going to grow anymore. So if it's growing right now, it's 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 running on some kind of fumes that people don't necessarily understand too well, or they can, they can guess that, you know, that it has to do with the way wealth was created post pandemic. But, um, you know, it's on borrowed time if rates stay at 5%. And the Fed's own dot plot shows that it would be coming down by 2025. I think that's late, but um, I, I think that the Fed can't really forecast their, well, I wouldn't say they're, they're lying about what they think, but, they have multiple scenarios that they're considering in their own minds, and they're not going to offer their forecasts based on the more pessimistic scenarios because then that short changes um, their policy tools. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see a rate cut in 2023. I'd be much less surprised to see one in 2024. Uh, so we're talking a matter of months at the earliest and a, a year, year and a half at the latest. So, David, I have a question. Yes, Mr. Kittle. So um, 
if we're not slightly home prices are down, I think I heard you say, is that correct? Or they kind yeah, of it depends flat. on the measure. The, the, the one that's focused on just the big 20 metro areas is obviously moving faster than the, the national one. But um, so the national we one were expecting this for it to be maybe falling a little bit, and they're not. Yeah. It's got to be strictly an inventory issue. Yep. So that's I mean, purchase I mean, applications, uh, you know, increased as well. And um, the pending home sales ticked up modestly, not to stellar levels. But, you know, people aren't scared of real estate on the demand side of the equation, which is the refreshing thing, in my opinion. And that depends on geography, too, to some extent. Uh, different markets report different levels of strength. But uh, overall, yeah, not losing ground in January's prices anyway. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. Good. Matt Graham, thanks so much for being here. As always, appreciate it. Be sure to sign up for mbslive.net. You can go to the website. When you ask for a code, put in LOL for the Lick It On Lenny podcast, and you'll get the get extended period of time where you get to sign up. You get all up. the good stuff you, when you do you, that. You, got, you do all the good stuff. It's without faster. A it's easier. Double yeah. the time. All good things. Yeah, but you should sign up for it, listeners. You really should. If you're not already, so many of our listeners say, look, and I signed up for this. It is amazing. It's really good. So appreciate you being here and sharing your wisdom with us. Matt, stick on the phone. Love to stay here with us and love to get your thoughts as we move into Mr. Kittle talking about this, because I do want to get your thoughts on what you're seeing on your boards, Matt. Again, I love the conversational boards that you have up here of uh, chat boards, kind of like what different thoughts of what's going on. But Mr. Kittle, are we going to see a spring rebound? We're starting to see evidence that applications are picking up. Many of our clients, many people out there are saying, yep, we've seen some activity. Now, what's another several people were complaining about, yes, there's good activity licking, but it's all on a prequal basis and they can't find homes to buy, which goes back to the inventory issue. Your thoughts on all of this, Mr. Kittle? You just took all my thoughts away. So, I mean, Adam just reinforced it. Look, applications are up, but, you know, and people are getting uh, an awful lot of prequels. The, the locks are the things that worry me a little bit. Is they're not getting registered, right? Yeah. And um, so people aren't locking their rates in, so they're not committing to anything at this point. But applications are up. And if we get a little blurb in this, remember what this week is, and that's spring break. So people are going to take this week off and not look for houses. We should never forget how cyclical our business is. And uh, it's spring. People are buying, but this week will be a little low a little bit. Um, But in the short term, I'm optimistic for our lenders. I'm hearing really good things uh, across the people that I talk to. Yeah, I am too. I am as well. But they can't find a house, David. No. It's fine. Well, I, it goes back to the Black Rocks of the world who bought up so much of the inventory that's available that normally would be going into the general market. And I, I almost think that there needs to be regulation on this. And there is some talk about it that as people look at it and become more aware of just how many homes, BlackRock and other companies, uh, other P firms like them have bought up a lot of the inventory. And I'm getting pitched several more recently that are coming in a little bit different structure, but it's basically institutional buyers taking inventory off the market. I think we need to, re- there's something from a regulatory standpoint that needs to be done there. We need to address that. Cause that's I, just- I, ju- I just hate, you know, when you, I, or anybody, or my good friends mentioned the R word and not recession, but regulation. 
because we have yeah. so much of it. And yes, when you I start know. it, it just doesn't stop. I mean, just wish the companies you mentioned uh, would take a short-term or a long-term bath on what they've done to the market because they have heard it. And um, Well, they're trying to get yield for their, their investors, and I understand the pressure that's on them. I think sometimes they're – I agree with you. I'm none of a <laughs> – I just do. I want less government every way and every way we can get less government. But there are times like this where you look at this and go like, are people going to do this? And especially when they're so large and they can have such a damaging effect on inventory uh, for so many consumers, especially the first time home buyers. That's, I care about well, all, every, such a free market guy, though, David. And, uh, you know, clearly we don't have free markets. Everything's we don't? manipulated. I just I'd be a. I'd be a rarely, but a rare vote against you on that one. I don't want any more regulation on, on the real estate market at all. We've got enough of it. And when we have problems, it's just like the issue with the banks. It's the regulators that weren't doing their job are the problem. It's not that we need more regulation. We never enforce what's on the books. Yeah. Yeah, we could have a wonderful discussion on that one. Help me just solve, help us all just solve the inventory problem and keep it out of the hands of the however it is. Maybe they could get a moral conscious, but I'm not sure that that's going to happen. Matt, any thoughts on this as you think about the institutional buyers in this mix, on this, on inventory? I'm sorry, guys. I have my head down writing an update. Okay, <laughs> you sure. want to give me a recap real quick? Well, recap is, you know, institutional borrowers, the black, the, the black rocks of the world that have bought up so much of the inventory, other private equity firms, and about having a regulatory uh, put regulation in there to the extent that they can control as much inventory as they do. Thoughts on that? I mean, I've never been a fan of, um, of institutional inventory. Um, I know it's going to happen, and then some people would say it saved the uh, housing market 15 years ago, but... Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be opposed to all kinds of regulation there, not just for them, but also for massive mom and pop investors that have a ton of property at the expense of people that are, you know, being forced to rent. And I, I don't know. I think it hurts turnover. I think it hurts the little guy. But yeah. maybe maybe that's too idealistic in my view. <laughs> I think sometimes I, I am a little bit too idealistic. But. Well. We could return to that. A little bit of that would be fine. I think. Very good. Mark, anything you want to opine to that before we move on? Well, I think the whole real estate environment in our country was based on free market. And I think when people consolidate uh, properties like that and advantageously take advantage of it, uh, and it takes away from the free market and property availability and all that, it's destructive to our core industry that keeps this country going. And I'm pretty strong opinion on that. But uh, that's the way I feel. Yep, I'm trying to find <laughs> like like entitlements or uh, regulation. I'm all against regulation unless it's regulating the issues that I have. Or I'm all against entitlements unless it's just don't touch mine. Anyway, go on and on <laughs> about that. Try to stay out of the whole political area. But I think it's getting harder and harder when you look what's going on. It is what it is. We're going to move on with this topic. Thank you so much, Matt and David and everyone for participating in this part of the podcast. Now, Alice normally would be going, we'd be going to Alice, but unfortunately Alice is not feeling well. And uh, she is um, not with us today. We wish her a speedy recovery. Don't worry. It's just the normal flu. So nothing serious. She reassures me that she will be back again, hopefully next week, which means we get to go over to Alan Pollock and get the update on technology. Alan, 
I saw Alan. Good to have you here on the podcast. Alan Pollock of um, Always good to be here. He's now a free agent. He's available. They're available for hire. Well, it's be a contract or hire, but uh, they sold his company. He's so has helpful in selling his last company, and uh, you're just good at that. You just work for companies and get them sold, make some money, and then move on to the next one. Very smart. Very smart. So first people to get to know you. Check out your profile. But anyway, what do you got for a technology update for us, my friend? <laughs> well, thanks for making it sound easy, David, but uh, all of those things don't come with with a lot of hard work, sleepless nights, um, yeah. potentially losing some blood, and uh, and just <laughs> perseverance, right? But um, but I, I've been just fortunate to be a part of so many great technology solutions and, and the scaling of those businesses. And you know, we, we've got a, so, so many great people in this industry. It's 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 really just such a great thing that we're all part of. So let's move on. Yes. Um, a couple funny things, obviously still chat GPT related for the most part, but uh, Mark Helm, we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit of your world, which will be perfect because the last few times I've taken up so much time, I leave you with, with very little time to uh, ask questions. So I think today will be a good one. Um, but we will be talking about servicing, <clears throat> if you haven't already figured that out. So first, David, I went to chat GPT. And I did ask it for topics for today's podcast. But before I get into that, Let's talk about, and this is really, really interesting. Um, I mentioned last week a website called Try It On AI yeah. and Headshots.ai. So mm-hmm. I went to try it on. I paid, I paid the $17. I uploaded about 10 or so pictures of myself. Uh, most of them were with other people because I don't take a lot of selfies of myself. And you just crop them out in their tool online. And it was supposed to take just 48 hours, but it, it took they – were, they're were so backed up because so many people have requested it, it took a lot longer. Anyway, to make a long story short, um, I got back, um, God, at least 25 or so different ones. And I have to tell you, they all came out just so good. 80% of them are just perfect. Um, so if you want to see what a – a AI-generated headshot looks like, head over to my LinkedIn profile. Uh, you can just search Alan Pollock yeah. or Alan Lending or, Mer- or Meridian Link. You'll find me. And yeah. uh, my, my current profile picture um, is an AI-generated picture. I sent it to you, David. I know you said you like the real one better, but I can't I tell the difference, except that it threw some freckles on my face. Yeah, there it does do some touch-up and things like that, but no, I like the, the original one. I thought... Um, I mean, it was amazing and don't want to comment too much about it, but uh, there was, I'll tell you later with the, some of the features about it that just seemed to be off, but I, you've got a great smile. It does capture that. And it looks like it uh, took a, a pound or two off of you, which is always an, a flattering thing. So maybe you've, <laughs> lost, maybe you've lost that much weight since I've seen you last in person, but it's, yeah, no, it, it's interesting what's out there, but I'm really interested in the pause when we got the big announcement that came out last week was when all of the, leading tech people, I think it was over 100 executives that are in leading technology space, are leaders in the technology space, all came out and says, we desperately need to put a pause on artificial intelligence. We need to, this experiment, what's going on, they, know they didn't mention chat GPT by name, but they said, we really need a pause. And I go on, want to get your, your thoughts on that, what's behind that. It's just a whole lot of genuine concern about where this thing's heading. Yeah, <clears throat> I, I've I've read into it a little bit. I mean, for the for the most part, um, a lot of folks are, are are worried about the fact that they have found 
holes in chat GPT or AI in general, and it can be very dangerous. Um, one is it may not always be the AI, but it could be us. As a perfect example, um, there, there is somebody out there who committed suicide um, based on a, an AI system that is similar, meaning that it uses open AI and creates its own version of AI. And so this gentleman probably was already uh, in distress spoke with the AI engine for a bit, and the AI engine basically got into a conversation talking about uh, one day global warming will have a negative effect on the world, and you and your family would all be together as one, and whatever, however the conversation took, um, he wound up committing suicide, and I guess he left part of his um, last message about the conversation with the AI engine. Um, so his wife is, I think, about to create a lawsuit, you know, having to do with the fact that if it wasn't for this AI engine, um, you know, his level of distress wouldn't have been as bad as it was. So that's one thing. Uh, the second thing is there's been a number of people that have been able to hack ChatGPT. Um, as an example, um, there are different ways that ChatGPT operates, and they found loopholes, just like their security breaches and technology, in order to get it to just go off the rails and completely act and pretend it has emotion. And OpenAI caught on to it, and what they did is they created basically like a token-based system for their own engine where every time you do something that could mirror an emotion, um, and I'm summarizing, of course, I don't know all the details, yeah. um, you get four tokens taken away, and, and the engine itself only gets 10 tokens a day, let's say. Um, and so they're trying to find ways. There's these groups on the Internet of people coming together, just like the, the folks that, you know, tried to – bubble up the AMC stock on Reddit. These folks are in some kind of Discord group. There's probably hundreds or if not thousands of them, and they're doing their best to try and crack it. Um, so, you know, the, the, the data on the AI engine is, 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 is older. It's not current or up to date. And um, Elon Musk, as well as many others, not only have they warned prior, but they're saying that there needs to be a pause. Now, they know that it'll never, no one's ever going to be able to turn it off. It's on. But now it's what is next? Um, I didn't read anything about the word regulation anywhere, but, and David, I know you, you mentioned regulation earlier. Um, I can't imagine that somebody's not going to be pushing some type of regulation around AI. Uh, clearly, AI in healthcare may not be a good thing, um, but there's going to need to be some guardrails for sure around the type of people using it and the application of it. Yeah. Yeah, there's going to be clearly some, I think there's going to be some unattended results that come from this so sad to hear about someone committing suicide but i'm not sure that they're all i mean if they're interacting knowing they're interacting with chat gpt uh which is a computer someone would commit suicide over that would be suggest maybe there's other issues already present there that uh about that about so anyway result in that tragedy yeah 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 david let me make a couple comments on that um you know (laughs) Our society can be so litigious recently and for the last couple of decades that I, I got to throw this out there. Diving a little bit back into my psychological education background, um, you know, a, a newscast on TV can cause somebody to go out and commit suicide. Exactly. Are you going to sue every TV station? Um, it, it, it never fails to amaze me when something like that happens. People want to go back to deep, off the deep end and paint something big, bad, and black. You know, it's just it's a black hole you're going to fall in if you listen to it or you pay attention to it. So I hope that 
litigation doesn't get any traction because it it really is going to have an if if that gets a precedence, it's going to have effect on a lot of mainstream things that I don't want it to have an effect on. I mean, it really is going to yeah. kill freedom of speech and some other things. So anyway, um, I want to say that. But the other thing I wanted to make a comment about was in uh, my use of chat GBT. Uh, I found that it's not a answer to everything, but it is an answer to many things. First, mm-hmm. you got to realize what Adam said about the you know everything up to our present date's not been loaded. But I have used it on a dozen occasions, right? Getting ready to do a little mini project, and I said I go in and ask for it. I want to have. Would you please give me an outline on on this? I want to discuss this topic, and it's not be all end all for my topic. But it gives me a very constructive outline and saves me hours of time creating an outline to be as quality outline as that. And then one case and one comparison, and David, I mentioned this to you before, I was writing an article, and uh, I wanted to come up with a real tight wording to compare the bankruptcies that affect mortgage loans. And it was either write uh, two sentences or a five-page dissertation. So I said, give me two or three paragraphs on it. And they did, and it was I could just about use it word for word because it, you know, obviously wasn't a type of plagiarism because it wasn't anybody's book, but it was a real concise comparison of those that I could insert in the article without it being uh, onerous and also very much on point. So I think it's all in the user and what mm-hmm. the user wants to do with it. We're going to have people try to hijack it and do crazy stuff with it, but I, for most of us, we use it the right way. It's going to be very, very beneficial in the things we do from day to day. And I, I'm a big believer in it right now, and I will continue to be, and I hope people don't screw it up. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. I, I, would, I would agree, Mark. And actually, um, there there is going to wind up becoming college courses. There's going to be jobs that are specific for what they call prompt writers or engineers, folks that were copywriters but now um, have elevated what the, the output of their work and the quality based on, you know what ChatGPT can do. So let me let me go right into into two things based on that. So the first one is um, I want to just mention two things in the news about mortgage, and then we're going to head right back into um, ChatGPT. The first is Rocket has launched a Visa signature card, giving cash back for mortgage costs. You get five percent up to a couple thousand dollars towards closing costs and down payment. Um, quite interesting. Uh, definitely a different angle on the market or on on how to attract new borrowers. Uh, there's a full press release. You want to check it out. The second is announced today is SoFi acquired Wyndham Capital. So everyone knows that SoFi, you know, they're in the mortgage game. They, they became a bank, and uh, now they've acquired Wyndham Capital. So um, you, you should expect to see more origination and more acquisition uh, come from that side, especially with, with all of the other types of loans and the kind of the – um, the upgrade of your financial life that SoFi provides to folks. And I just made that up. I don't know if that's a real tagline or not. Um, so, David, I, I back to what Mark was talking about. I, at first, I just randomly said to ChatGPT, can you make a joke um, about a mortgage broker, a dog, and a giraffe? Just <laughs> random stuff. And it came back immediately. And here's what it said. And so, if, if anything, ChatGPT is great at dad jokes. So, here it is. Why did the mortgage broker bring a dog and a giraffe to the client meeting? Because they wanted to offer a perfect loan with neck-to-neck interest rates. There you go. 
It was, I got it it. was instant. Yeah. So let's 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 back up to the content that's relative to the rest of our rest of our audience, okay. including Mark and maybe Dave and some others. So I said to Chat TPT, and I'm going to paraphrase. Um, can you please write a podcast for me? as if you are an executive in the mortgage lending industry and you've already implemented technology, but you want to hear something new. And it said, sure, here's a sample podcast script for your first topic. And it went through a bunch of things. And it said, number one, the challenges of service of servicing mortgages digitally. And then it gave me a couple others like success stories in digital servicing and emerging technologies and servicing. So then I, I went and said, Give me more details on number one, please, and please pretend you're an expert. And it came back and it said, title, revolutionizing loan servicing with automation and AI. And it said, in this segment, we will explore how automation and artificial intelligence can help revolutionize loan servicing. Specifically, we dive into three areas. And I'm only going to tell you about the first one. It talks about streamlining loss mitigation, which I thought was funny because we were talking about that earlier. And it says, this is what ChatGPT said, we will discuss how automation and AI, AI can simplify and expedite the loss mitigation process, reducing the risk of foreclosure for homeowners and improving overall efficiency. And we'll, we'll look at companies like Loan Care who are already leveraging automation and AI to streamline the process. So I said, well, do you know more companies that are doing number one? And it came with a slew of companies. It's all, it said Black Knight, Sajin, Pfizer, CoreLogic. And then I said, okay, um, uh, I had to give me a little more, and it said simplifying the mortgage application process will help the servicing, and, and I'm not going to go through it. It gave me 12 items at that point to talk about. Um, and yeah. then I said, is anyone doing number three, which is an underwriting system to analyze a borrower's financial data in real time to make a mortgage decision in minutes as I, I went forward with the process? And it it actually came back and said, but wait, we were talking about servicing. Do you want me to tie the two together? And I said, sure. And it came back talking about how you can use the predictive model to ask better questions in the application process to get better details to report on in the servicing later on. And then it talked more about, you know, so forth. So um, very, very interesting. Obviously, we've been using predictive models um, years ago, David, I was doing, you know, um, loan loss severity, cumulative loss, prepayment speeds. Those are things that, that we built based on data from Andy Davidson and company and S&P. And, but if the predictive modeling can be built much quicker and it's, it's more agile and it can do more things, then we could rewrite all the technology in the mortgage industry piece by piece by leveraging artificial intelligence. Yep. It, we're, it's certainly a possibility. It is. I think what you also bring out in your, in your segment, uh, Alan, that is really interesting, it is the art of asking the right question and then drilling into it and going down that. I mean, we have a lot of right. tools we can use that, but ChatGPT is the latest one, and it's really focusing in on asking the right question. And that's so true whether you're hiring somebody uh, or using a piece of technology or working with a borrower, it's asking the right questions. Uh, how many deals have been lost? Mr. Kittle, as a result of uh, not asking the right question. And I think when you put in different scenarios, I think these are tools where ChatGPT will be a valuable 
putting in scenarios as what are the questions I should be asking in, in, in a loan. And as, 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 again, as it goes current, uh, when they start opening it up to the latest, all the web data that's out there since they drew a line in the sand um, and start adding that in, it, it's, this gets really, really powerful. That's why it's so essential. I was reading another, there's a book that was just published. I don't have the name of it right now in front of me, but that was published and I need to get that out. I'll put it out here on the website. Um, that talked about the skills you need to succeed in the next 10 years. And there was so much about having to do with asking the right question, using technology to ask the right question to get the results you want. Fascinating. Really, really fascinating. So, yeah. Dave, I just wanted to, to mention one person in, in our industry as, as we're making a lot of changes with organ, reorganizing deck chairs. It's someone you know very well. I spoke with a gentleman named Scott Stuckey last week. Yeah, and okay. um, folk, yeah, folks know him. He's he's the global recruiter's Denver yeah. Tech Center. Uh, yeah. He's he's delivered a number of great great candidates to me over the years. Um, he's actually uh, going to be sending some things out for me, and I told him I would give him a quick little shout out. Um, he's he's got a good traction in our industry, and he seems to find good folks. So, um, if anyone's ever yeah. looking for a really good recruiter, um, I, I definitely can can recommend Scott Stuckey. So. Take a check for that. We usually don't mention yeah. people like that, David. But yeah. um, oh, man, it's a blast for that. I've been him forever. Yeah, he he did say to say hi to you and uh, good guy. Yeah. Good man. Yeah, it's so amazing. That's okay. Excellent stuff. We've got to wrap this up. We've got I've got another conference call. I've got to be jumping on in seven minutes. Uh, so, folks, that is going to put a wrap on it. And uh, but, Alan, thank you so much for another great text text segment. More 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 people are just. Uh, writing in about this. I'm sure you're hearing about it as well. You're doing a great job of opening us up on what's possible with ChatGPT and keep using it for our podcast. Keep interjecting it. Sounds good. Excellent. That's it for the podcast today, folks. So grateful to have you all here with us. Mark, any parting words for wisdom before we play the last of it and uh, the outro? Head to the... Well, I'm going to make one one comment again about ChatGPT. (laughs) <laughs> I, I think it's totally amazing that you were on that vein about servicing and it reached over and grabbed originations. Yeah. That yeah. Mm-hmm. that shows an intuitive process of the system that I didn't know really existed until I heard that uh, because yeah. it, that blows me away. It really blows me away. And I don't know if everybody focused on that, but I certainly did. I did. I, I picked well, up on Yeah. You know, and I know, David, you're trying to exit the show today, but Mark, if you think about, there's not a good transfer of data when you do the onboarding and servicing, right? So chat right. somehow picked up on that and the fact that we need more data from more, more analytics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing, amazing. Amazing. That's it. Amazing. Thank you for that. Very good. So good to be with you all again. Appreciate the regulars being here. Special thank you. It goes out to our sponsors, Candor, Finastra, Total Expert, Simple Nexus, Mortgage Bankers Association of America, Lenders One, The Mortgage Collaborative, Knowledge Coop, Mobility, MMI, Modex, and Mortgage Advisory Tools. So good to have you with us, everybody. Have a great week. I look forward to having you back here next week. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin' of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.